I'm Pete Pedro Hoffmeister, and this is the Boring is a Swear Word podcast. This episode is titled The Daughters Episode. First, we have when your kids get lost in the woods and you can't find them. Second, on being protective or overprotective. Third, a casual run with my daughter. Fourth, if you can't impress your own kid, how impressive are you? Fifth, we have guest appearances on the podcast. Six, a dedication and a message from my daughters. We were camping at Waldo Lake in the Cascade Wilderness. It's a beautiful mountain lake. We were camping back in the forest and swimming in the lake by day, swimming to an island, hanging out on the beach, hanging out. There were two families. The other family had two girls. We have two girls. And our kids' ages were 8, 9, 11, and 11. It was a wonderful three days. But on Saturday afternoon, the four girls went into the forest to explore and to play. And then after a couple hours, they didn't come back. The adults were, you know, mildly worried, but I think we all figured that the girls were fine. They were just playing a little further away than we thought. So we searched the woods behind our campsite, and then we searched the woods behind other campsites, and then we went through their campsites and went down to the lake, went along the trail, went over by the island trail, um, the shallows, the deep pools there in the backwater, and we just kind of searched around and then met back up. Well, after all of us adults had searched for 15 or 20 minutes, um, I guess people were way more worried, like where were the girls if they weren't anywhere near us? So we decided to search in four different directions back in the woods and then come back together. So I went back by this old, old cabin and searched around out there. And then way off in the distance, maybe a quarter mile, I saw this opening in the trees. And I went back there and there was an enormous blowdown where some kind of storm had ripped all the trees down. And they were all cantilevered like, you know, four to six feet off the ground. So there were all these gaps underneath where you could climb underneath the maze. And then you could get up on the logs and walk all over the lattice work. And because it was such a cool area, that's exactly where the girls were. They were playing on the logs, and I saw all four girls walking along this big fat log, balancing, and it looked like they were having such a good time. And when I came up on them, I realized they were playing pretend. And it's fun when your kids play pretend, and, you know, I was a young parent, so I always played with them. And as I came up on them, I asked them what their game was, and they explained it to me. And I was like, oh, cool. And I jumped right in. And then pretty soon, the five of us were playing in the latticework and the blowdown, scrambling over all these logs and balancing and piecing them together and playing pretend and dodging underneath and running and hiding and yelling and laughing. And we were just having such a good time. And then all of a sudden, the other three adults showed up. And they'd been looking. 
and I guess time had passed because I'd been playing for maybe an hour, and the adults had been searching more and more frantically for the kids and asking everybody in the neighboring campsites that they'd seen them. And they'd been looking through the woods and they looking down by the water and they were hoping nobody had drowned and they were all stressed out. And then they came upon me with the four girls playing. And all the adults were like, how long ago did you find them? And I was like, uh, uh, maybe an hour ago. I can be protective too, though. When my older daughter, Rainy, was 13, a young teenager, one night I was reading out on the couch in the front of the house, and Rainy came sprinting out of the back of the house and yelled, someone's out there, someone's out there. And I was like, what? She's like, someone's outside my window. They're looking in my window. There's a man looking in my window in the, in the dark, from the dark. And I was like, what? And I threw my book down on the couch and I jumped up and I sprinted past her and around the corner through the laundry room into the side door area where I had a very short hatchet and I grabbed that hatchet and I snuck really, really quietly into the garage so that I could get out there without anybody hearing me. And I flipped that hatchet over so it had that wide flat blade like a heavy hammer so I could just crush a skull with it. And I had that hatchet in my hand and I started sneaking through the garage and I looked out along the side back of the house and underneath Rain's window, there was a person. Somebody was crouched down there and doing something. And I was like, I'm going to kill this person. And I snuck up on the person and I was through the garage door and about to swing the hatchet when all of a sudden the person popped her head up and it was our neighbor Katie and she was like Jesus Pete you scared the out of me and I was like Katie oh my gosh Katie <laughs> like what are you doing in the dark underneath Rain's window and Katie was like I'm looking for that little ladder that I loaned you guys I came through the gate and I was like Katie if you need to get something at night from our house just come to the front door and knock Parenting daughters can be weird in other ways, too, though. A few years ago, when my younger daughter, Rue, was 11, she and I were reading on the couch again one night, and it was pretty late. It was after 11, and I don't like to stay up very late, so I was about ready to go to bed. But it was a warm summer night, and Rue said, you know what we should do before we go to sleep? We should go for a night run through the neighborhood. And I was like... Uh, I'm pretty tired. Like, maybe we should just crash and run tomorrow. And she's like, no, running at night is so fun. Let's go do it. This is something that she and I do kind of regularly, not usually that late, but after dark, and especially in the winter after dark, we go on night runs in the rainy streets, you know. And it's fun to puddle splash and all that kind of stuff. So I looked at Rue, and she was pretty excited about the idea, and it was a good idea. I said, okay. We'll throw on our shoes and we'll go for a night run. 
and then we'll crash. She's like, okay. So she runs and gets her stuff on, and I throw my shoes on. It's one of those nights where all I needed was a pair of shorts and a pair of shoes. Didn't need any socks or shirt or anything. It was just nice and warm and beautiful out, even at 11 o'clock. So Rue and I go out front, and we walk down our street to connect to the bigger street. And the thing about our neighborhood is um, it's not a really fancy neighborhood. We don't have sidewalks. We don't have street lights. So it's kind of dark at night, or not kind of dark. It's really dark. There are some porch lights, but our street's pretty dark, and the streets around us are pretty dark. So Rue and I start jogging, and we're running through the dark on these dark streets, and it's warm and beautiful, and we're jogging kind of slowly. And for the first half mile, we're just chatting and warming up and all that. Then we get up to this connection street, like kind of for this big loop that we do through the neighborhood. And on this street, there are street lights for a couple blocks of our route. And right before we get to the street lights, that section on the bigger street, Rue says she feels pretty good. She's like, oh, I feel awesome tonight. Let's just like pick it up, go faster, you know? And I was like, okay. So we decided to pick up our pace and, um, uh, we just kind of like jumped it up a little bit. And then all of a sudden, Rue really took off. She just kind of like jumped to a sprint. And I wasn't feeling quite as good as her. So I just kind of ran behind her and didn't try to pass her or even quite catch up with her. I just kind of ran behind her for two blocks. Um, and she was almost sprinting and I was almost sprinting. And she's just going for a couple blocks and I'm going behind her. And we're on the only lighted part of the route. And then she turns the corner into the dark, and I follow her into the dark. And then we start running all through the back neighborhoods, back towards our house and um, and the cut through on the bike path. And there are no lights on, and I catch up to her, and then we run next to each other for a little while, and then we slow down. And then we finally get to the little section where we have to loop through on the bike path to get back to our street. And we get through there. And we turn right and stop and uh, stop running and just kind of slow to a walk. And then we decide we're going to walk a couple blocks to just kind of cool down before we walk back to our house and get ready for bed, right? So as we're walking down our street away from our house doing our cool down, all of a sudden a police car, a squad car just rips past on the cross street, just like boom, blown by. And then all of a sudden... He pulls a Yui, turns around, guns it onto our street, skids to a stop, and flashes its lights on both of us. Cop jumps out of the car, and he's like, you two need to separate. Separate right now. Separate immediately. Like, Whoa, you know, we both kind of like throw our hands up, look at each other. I go to one side of the street. Rue goes to the other side of the street. Police officer comes up between us, calls back up. Um, pretty quickly, another squad car rolls in. Then there's two police officers, one kind of covering the first cop, and the first cop comes up to Ruth and is asking her some questions and then tells her to stay there, and I'm just on the opposite side of the street. I can't really hear what they're saying. He comes over to me, and he says, I need you to spell your name. Um, what were you doing? So I spell my name, and I'm like, uh, I was going for a run. Uh, he was like, where were you running? What were you doing? And everything. After a few minutes. 
Cobb kind of goes back and forth between us. He's like, okay, okay, guys. You can come together. So you guys are father and daughter? And I was like, yeah. He said, well, we got a report that a man was chasing a young girl through the neighborhood near Willa Kenzie, and then he chased her into the dark. And I was like, oh, right. I guess that makes sense. The guy's like, but you guys spelled your names the same, and you both gave the same story, so I'm confident your father and daughter and all that without seeing any ID. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, <laughs> thanks. And uh, honestly, I said to the police officer, I said, honestly, I'm glad you came out on this call. I mean, if a man had been chasing a girl through the neighborhoods, I would want the police to respond to that. And he's like, yeah, I mean, we took it seriously. And I was like, well, thanks for doing that. And he's like, yeah, how far did you guys run? And then we chatted for a few minutes. And then he's like, I sometimes struggle to run because I often eat burritos right before I try to run. When my first daughter, Rainy, was little, you know, I, I thought, if you can't impress your own kid, how impressive are you, right? Um, so I would always try to do amazing things in front of her. I, I'm not very mature person, so I would try to like make a flip into water, be perfect or, um, climb into a tree really impressively or, you know, something. And Rain was pretty impressed by me because I was a full grown adult and she was a little kid, um, so, you know, when she was like three and four, I would always say, you know, who could win between like me and a tiger? And she would say, oh, definitely you, dad. You, you know, you, you, dad. And I was like, okay. Um, who could win between me and a fire truck? And she would say, you're pretty strong. You, you could lift a fire truck, you know. So it kind of went on like this. But then when she was five... One time, we were on a walk through our neighborhood in North Eugene. We'd been fishing this little pond for carp, and we were walking back to our house. And she said, Dad, who would win between you and a giant? And I was like, well, this is like the normal question, so of course me. And I was like, uh, I, I could beat a giant for sure. And Rainy, she said, no, no, Dad, no, I mean a giant. And I was like, me? Me again. I I could definitely defeat a giant. And then she pointed to this Douglas fir that was right next to our house. And she said, no, a giant would be as tall as that tree. So I don't think you could beat a giant. And I was like, what? I could definitely beat a giant. And she was like, a giant as tall as that tree, Dad. And I was like, yeah, I could defeat any size giant. Especially if, you know, like, especially if I was defending you. I, I was kind of stumbling over my words trying to, like, figure out how I could prove to her that I could beat a giant. I'd, I'd never been questioned before in my strength. So for the next few weeks, um, Rain would compare everything to this theoretical giant. She would say, do you see how wide the river is, Dad? And I'd say, yeah, and she's like... The giant is wider than that. And I was like, I could still beat the giant. And she'd say, no, I don't think so, Dad. 
And then we'd be downtown and she'd see a tall building and she'd say, the giant is as tall as that building, maybe taller. And I was like, yeah, well, I could still beat that giant. She's like, no, I don't think so, Dad. So, I, I mean, I was struggling. I was trying to impress her. I was doing push-ups in front of her. I was uh, coming back from runs and sprinting the last block so she'd see me coming in. I was biking fast away from the house. I mean, I was being impressive in so many different ways, but no matter what I did, I couldn't defeat this giant in her mind. So I decided if I couldn't beat the giant because there was no giant, I would have to find a way to truly, truly impress her. One day I was down in the basement and I was climbing on my rock wall that I built in the basement. And I was thinking about how I could beat the giant and I could impress Rainy again and be the strongest person in the entire world just once more for my five-year-old. And uh, I was kind of switching out holds on my rock wall and I had drilled all these natural rock holds with a, a concrete bit. And then I had put T-nuts on the back of the wood and I had run bolts through so this is how I could trade out rock routes and I could switch things up. So I had all these different real stone holds and I picked up this big, flat, wide, super heavy sandstone hold that had a couple of big bolt holes in it. And I picked up this big piece of sandstone and then I got an idea and I was like, wait a second. And I set that one down, the most impressive one down, the heaviest one down, and I grabbed the second biggest piece of sandstone that was big and flat and heavy and I kind of felt it and pinch gripped it with my hands and then I just put it over my leg and I pushed really hard and it snapped because it was sandstone and I was like oh here we go so I was climbing and Rainy was down for a nap and uh, after a while I heard her walk out in the kitchen above me and the roof on the linoleum her little cute feet and I went up there and I took the hold with me and I set it on the counter and I didn't say anything about it and I didn't show it to her. I just got her a little bowl of cereal and some water and set it on the table and she hopped up in her chair and she was eating cereal and sipping water and we were just chatting. And then she brought up the giant again, which I knew she would, and I explained that I could defeat a giant and she explained that I couldn't. Then I walked over to the counter and I picked up that huge piece of rock and I walked over to her and I carefully set it in her lap. She was like, oh, this is so heavy. And I was like, yeah, it's pretty big, fat, strong rock, right? And she was like, yeah, it's squishing my legs. And I picked it back up off of her lap. And I was like, yeah, this is one of the hardest pieces of stone in the entire world. See how thick it is? She was like, yeah. And I was like, see how strong it is? She was like, yeah. And then I was like, now look at this. And I pinch gripped that huge, wide, flat piece of sandstone. And it laid it against my thigh. And I propped my foot up on a chair. And all of a sudden, I just reefed down on the stone. And I just snapped it in half. And Rain was dumbfounded. She was like, oh, oh my gosh, Dad. Oh, oh my goodness. You... You could defeat a giant. Next on the podcast, I found the lost audio 
of when my younger daughter Rue and I rushed a sorority our freshman year in college. Oh my gosh, do you see that guy over there? He's so cute. Um, hold my way, Claw, because uh, I'm going to go talk to him. Okay, let me just hit my mint jewel so my breath doesn't smell bad. I don't even brush my teeth anymore. I just mint jewel like every morning and then it freshens my breath. Honestly, I've been doing that for years. It's so convenient. Oh my god, uh, seriously, he's got amazing shoulders. He's not really that ripped, but he's wearing a backwards hat, and he has, like, two white claws. Did you put my white claws somewhere, or was it, is, did I put, where, did you, where's my white claw? Honestly, from when we were diving and doing white claws in your apartment, I might be too cross-fitted. Um, so, um, do you think there's brownies here? Because, um, I kind of need an edible right about now. Edibles are so good. Oh, oh, there's a 12 pack of white claws hidden next to the couch. Here's one for you and one for me. Oh, thank you. White claws are so good. These are the mm. best flavor ever. I like anything that's alcohol that doesn't taste like bitter. It doesn't taste like alcohol. It tastes like yumminess in my mouth. It's like just sparkling water that gets you really drunk, which is like the best. Does my butt look good in these jeans? Your butt looks amazing. You're almost as pretty as a blonde girl. I want to dye my hair like bleach it, you know what I mean? Because it's so ugly when I'm brownette. Me too. I'm so embarrassed that I have brown hair. I'm going to dye my hair so blonde this summer and tell people that it was the sun that did it. Next on the podcast, I'm interviewing the rock climber, Rain. Hoffmeister. Hi, Rainy. How you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. How old are you now? I'm 19. Okay, so you're a fully grown adult. <laughs> I'm getting there. Okay, so this interview is about uh, your experience as a rock climber. So how long have you been rock climbing? Oh, I've been rock climbing probably since I was... About three. Okay, so what are some outdoor rock climbing places you've been to? I mean, um, I've probably climbed, like, all over. I've climbed at Sisters and at Smith Rock. Um, I've climbed at Yosemite, just kind of wherever there's, like, a place to climb outside. Right, we've been on lots of road trips, and even when you were little, you probably don't remember, but you climbed in the Tetons and Wyoming and stuff like that. So do you like rock climbing? Yeah, it's always been something that I have always really enjoyed. So have you ever rock climbed inside? Like not outdoors, but inside? So not real rocks? Um, yes, I climb at elevation. Our local 
um, indoor gym all the time. And run us through it. What is, what's it like when you go climbing there, like, say, by yourself, when you go to the gym by yourself? Um, you know, I, I climb there by myself a lot because oftentimes people are busy, and so I just end up going in there by myself. And I walk in, and, you know, I'm kind of, like, doing my own thing. And I kind of notice that, like, guys will start looking at me and be like, what's that small blonde child doing? Right, because you're, like, five, one and a half, right? And you don't look incredibly old. (laughs) Yeah, and I think they're just kind of like, oh, well, she's a female, so she probably doesn't really know what she's doing. She probably needs someone to, like, explain climbing to her. Right, you probably need a lot of help because you're a girl. Yeah, I I just don't seem to totally understand it. I definitely need um, other guys that I don't know to explain things to me. Right, because you've only been climbing since you were two or three years old, so you don't have any experience and you've never been outside climbing or anything like that, right? Oh, yeah, definitely not. Um, I'm completely ignorant. (laughs) So, say... uh, Tell us, tell us a story about climbing a kind of hard route at the gym. I mean, gym ratings are weird, but say you climbed a pretty hard route, and uh, how, how do guys react to that? I mean, I remember, like, one time I was climbing, like, a medium hard route, so it wasn't, like, super hard, but it definitely wasn't easy. And I got up to the top, I finished it, um, and I'm, like, coming down, And there's actually, like, a little slide in our gym. So I'm, like, sliding down, and then I'm going to keep climbing. And I'm, like, walking past the route that I just climbed. And this guy that I don't know at all just, like, walks up to me, and he's like, hey, I... Oh, and he's, like, 6'1", so he's super tall. And he's like, hey, like, I saw you climbing um, that route. Can I show you how I do it? So, uh... So he's going to mansplain it, basically. Yeah, and I was, I was honestly just so shocked that he was, like, going to explain something to me that I already did that I just <laughs> stared at him and was like, no, and, like, kind of walked away. Nice. Yeah, and uh, it, do you ever find, like, guys want to help you with things that you already know in other contexts of life? Like, does that ever happen? They're just like... Oh, hey, uh, I'm a guy. Uh, I have a penis. Do you want me to tell you things? I mean, like, I definitely notice it in other parts of life, but I notice it the most when I'm at a gym, probably. So do you think that's just, like, gym culture? A little bit. I feel like when you're outside, maybe people, like, have more respect for you because people who are climbing outside are like real climbers who are like going outside all the time and people who are in the gym probably are less likely to be going outside and climbing there's always like the really good climbers in gyms but there's like the few um, guys that don't really climb outside and also want to explain things to you do you think uh the more tattoos and the taller the guy the more likely he is to explain something to you I mean, I don't know. I have a tattoo. All right. Thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate it, Rainy. Yeah, thanks for having me. This podcast is, of course, dedicated to my daughters, Rain and Rue. 
and one of them has a message here to finish. I'm not biased at all when I say, please give this a five-star review or subscribe to Boring is a Swear Word podcast. Thank you. And my-